uh, Hillary has been lengthening her excuses as to why uh, she lost the election. She didn't really lose the election. It was stolen from her uh, by, I think it's up to 24 different excuses she has now. Number 24 is content farms in Macedonia. And uh, as I said, uh, my grandfather was a a Macedonian content farmer. And uh, we often think about, you know, gathering on the porch and recalling the old days on the Macedonian. I never thought, he never thought that the old content farmers he left behind in Macedonia would one day steal the U.S. presidential election. They are gnarled. Welcome to another exciting edition of the Macedonian Content Farmers podcast. My name is Jason Miko coming to you from the lovely hamlet of Oro Valley, Arizona at the foot of the Catalina Mountains. We are recording this on Wednesday, December 12th. My co-host is... Svitin Shulimanov. I'm calling in from uh, not so hamlet Skopje. Uh, <laughs> again, smoked up, but I tried to counter the smoke today by smoking a whole batch of pork ribs. So, oh, you know, fight, fire, oh. fight fire with fire. Lovely. I love pork. I had bacon and eggs this morning, and there's there's nothing better than, than pork. Yeah, we're uh, obviously not going to get that pita endorsement for this podcast this time. <laughs> no, we're not. And and I, I do need to say, you know, I'm, I'm eight hours behind you, Svetin, mm-hmm. and it's morning here. And generally, I'm against day drinking. Um, you know, one of these times, we're going to have to record this in the afternoon, my time, so that I can sit here and do this podcast and and sip a, a lovely Macedonian mastica from mm-hmm. from Grozd from Strumica, uh, and and since we don't have any sponsors, Vase, if you are listening now, okay. I hope you heard that. I think that's worth a, a monetary uh, contribution as well as a case of uh, Strumica <laughs> mastica. I'm I'm well within the drinking uh, time, <laughs> time timeline here, but actually, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll actually have a break right now. And we're coming back now, uh, <laughs> continuing the podcast. Uh. Oh, good for you. Good for you. I'm well. I'm. I've had my coffee. I'm on water now. Um, Svetin, we've got a full episode. There's just so much news coming out of Macedonia and the region, and we want to dedicate this episode uh, to to just talking about what's going on in terms of events. Uh, uh, what what Greece and Bulgaria are doing, the things that are going on, uh, the Judicial Watch statement, which uh, came out, uh, the report, I should say, which came out not too long ago, President Ivanov under attack, mm. um, the amnesty issue, uh, uh, as well as, of course, our, our farmers' picks uh, for this week. I want to start, I just saw yesterday the State Department put out a, um, uh, a notice saying the, that uh, Deputy Secretary of State John Sullivan is going to be visiting Macedonia next week, as well as a number of other countries in the region. And... Uh, they hyped it up. A number of folks said that you know it's the highest uh, level um, visit from a U.S. government official since 2001. Uh, but as a public service to our listeners, and of course a lot of this I get to put in my columns that I write each week, as a public service to our listeners on this podcast and to my readers, I just want to give you all a readout from his visit to Macedonia <laughs> before it happens. Please. Yes. I am I am knowledgeable about the future. And so here is the statement that the U.S. Embassy and or the State Department will put out after John Sullivan visits Macedonia next week. Prespa, good. Anyone against it, bad. Russia, Russia, Russia. Everyone must be for Prespa, no matter what, period, final. Russia, Russia, Russia. Didn't have time to see President Ivanov in statement. And there you have it. 
Yeah, this is the type of scoop you can only get here at the Macedonian <laughs> content farmers. <laughs> yeah, well, it's so predictable exactly what, what's going to happen. Even in the statement that the State Department put out, uh, they said he was going to be there to talk about PRESPA, of course. And so we, we already know what's going to happen. Uh, all joking aside, I do hope that he does see President Ivanov, that he does see uh, officials from Vomorota Pamene and that he and that at least he listens. He's not going to change his mind because he's it's an, it's an institutional decision on behalf of the State Department, on behalf of the European Union, on behalf of NATO, etc., to push Prespa through no matter what. Obviously, the will of the Macedonian people as reflected in the September 30 referendum uh, is not going to be uh, nobody's going to listen to that. They don't care. Uh, they've got their decision. They've already made their decision and they're going to push forward with it no matter what. Yeah, it's hugely depressing. I mean, this administration, the new administration in the US, it had a chance to reverse things and to, uh, you know, win back uh, this huge number of Macedonians who have uh, seriously, with very good reason, felt uh, extremely abandoned by uh, the previous administration and their diplomats. And they're obviously not going to use this opportunity. They have chosen their political allies in Macedonia. It's the socialist parties and the ethnic uh, Albanian parties, and this has uh, obviously its limits, and they're not speaking to the entire country of Macedonia with uh, huge consequences will feel down the road. But it's their choice, they're grown-ups, uh, they made their decision, and uh, what can we do? Right. Actually, interesting, I was talking to a buddy of mine in uh, Mississippi last night about what's going on in Europe and, and whatnot, and he, he said, well, you remember the Arab Spring that happened a few years ago, uh, several years, many years ago, mm -hmm. and how that really didn't turn out. Uh, as 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 the pundits, as uh, the State Department, as the globalists, as the elites, etc., expected, they expected that uh, the Arab world would uh, immediately pick up Jeffersonian democracy and and run with it, which of course they didn't. Um, and but he, my buddy, last night mentioned that I th he thinks we're going to go through uh, what he calls a Western winter, uh, but it's going to be the opposite. So it's we see that we see what's going on in France. We see what's what. Uh, has been happening all along, and of course in Hungary, Italy, Poland, etc., and how people are are taking back from the elites, from the globalists. They want to take back their power and their sovereignty, uh, and that would be a good thing. Uh, obviously, that happened with Brexit. We hope that goes through. Uh, it happened with the election of Donald Trump. So, so maybe we are going to see a, a, a Western winter in a positive sense, and and hopefully we can we can see that in Macedonia as well. If not now, then in the future. Yeah, I mean, the people are, uh, as we speak, uh, Vomero supporters are, are, are out in the streets and they're protesting against the Prespa Treaty. Obviously, there are protests in uh, Albania as well against the socialist government. There is a more astroturfed movement in uh, uh, Serbia against their government, uh, which is, you know, following the in the footsteps of the colored revolution in Macedonia. Uh, right. But yeah, there are a lot of things going on. And just to, quickly to mention, uh, there was a, this great comment by uh, Ganka Samulova Tsvetanova. I'm sure you know her. Oh, yeah. Former sure. cultural minister. Yeah, she's yes. great. And she was responding to the French ambassador to Macedonia, Christian Timonier, who said that, uh, well, guys, this is your last chance. You got to join the EU now if you fail this. You know, if you don't implement the Prespa Treaty, there won't be a chance like this. And the French ambassador says this at a time when Paris is burning and uh, on the day when they had the, this Strasbourg terror attack and Ganka yeah. just posted a picture from Strasbourg or from Paris, I'm not sure which, and she says, well, you know, well, if this is the EU you're talking about, well, let's kind of wait and see and think about it. Maybe, maybe we don't really want to go there. <laughs>
Yes, absolutely, and and it's always sad, you know, sad to see another attack on innocent people, uh, especially at Christmas time. Uh, hearts and thoughts and prayers go out to the victims of that attack, and hope they find the culprit and bring him to justice. Um, speaking, of, yeah, and I did see that that comment from the French ambassador. Uh, he actually said that there would be a blockade, and I'm not entirely sure what he means. The, the only blockade that has been against Macedonia was in the early mid '90s uh, from Greece, and so what he's doing is the the French ambassador is uh, engaging in fear mongering uh, because that's yeah. what they yeah. do. He famously um, told us that if we don't become North Macedonia, we will become uh, North Korea, which just begs uh, the answer that well, France is turning into North North Africa, so you know, <laughs> yeah. Well, let's let's go back because um, we're we're talking a bit here uh, tangentially about the Prespa Agreement, and I want to just touch on a couple of things, kind of from last week. Uh, that, uh, if if we recall, uh, Prime Minister Zayev was uh, going around the country talking about trying to shore up support for this uh, the so-called Prespa Agreement, trying to get more support from members of Parliament. He talked about the Macedonian minority in Greece. He talked about the Macedonian language. This, of course, created a firestorm in Greece which still continues even today. The defense minister, Panos Komenos, who is the leader of the independent Greeks in coalition mm. with uh, Syriza and Prime Minister Tsipras, he actually said, according to Katamarina, quote, they, meaning the Macedonians, they need to realize that there is only one Macedonia and it is Greece. This will be their passport to future prosperity, he said. Uh, now, for his part, um, Prime Minister Tsipras uh, was attacked in Parliament today by the leader of New Democracy, uh, Mitsutakis, and Cyprus basically had to defend himself, obviously, against this. And, and so he said that that Macedonian officials need to uh, make sure that the constitutional amendments and their own statements should reflect the spirit of the Prespa Agreement. And then he said, quote, this is uh, Prime, Greek Prime Minister Cyprus saying, he says, if this doesn't happen, Neither the deal will move forward, nor the neighboring country's accession to international organizations. So I think, Svetin, here's what's going to happen. Let's just assume for argument's sake right now that PRESPA is approved by the Macedonian government, mm. that uh, Prime Minister Zayev uses the Balkan tactics that Johannes Hahn told him to use and, and uses bribes, threats, intimidation, etc., to, to get his 80 or 81 votes in January. January 15th, I think, is when the session, when the vote will take place. Uh, let's just say that happens, and let's just say, for argument's sake, that the Greek parliament actually passes the, the bloody thing. Mm -hmm. uh, then what's going to happen during the implementation period, which will take years, at least a half a decade, mm -hmm. half a decade, according to the Presby Agreement itself, what's going to happen is that every time a Macedonian official at any level of government, whether in Skopje or a teacher in Berovo, for instance, yep. Anytime a Macedonian government official, somebody paid by the Macedonian taxpayers, talks about the Macedonian language or Macedonian minority in Greece or Bulgaria or any of these things, the Greeks are going to object. They're going to demand that the Macedonian government crack down on this quote-unquote violator. Mm. And if not, then the Greeks are going to say, well, you know, you want to get in the EU or NATO at that, po at that point, depending on where we are, you're going to have to force – demand that they change the language. It's going to be – it's either going to be restricted speech or compelled speech, but it won't be free speech. That will happen, I promise you.
Yeah, I mean, as, uh, this thing is apparently getting closer to implementation. Greeks are beginning to get buyer's remorse because they realize, as you said, that uh, even uh, they will let us join NATO as things go by fairly soon, which is a non-reversible decision. But then we will have uh, years, possibly decades to implement the whole thing or not. And then we, yeah. will have, we will also have veto power in NATO and that will possibly change the equation. So they're obviously becoming, uh, getting cold feet at this point. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, I alluded to Bulgaria there when I was, when I was talking about uh, what the Prime Minister Zayev said and, and talking about the Macedonian minority. So after the, the Greeks, that's still continuing, as we've seen from the statements today. But last week, uh, the Bulgarian defense minister um, mm -hmm. jumped into the fray and he accused Zayev and Macedonia of continuing to, quote, play tricks, falsify history, and to force a Macedonian identity and language, not only within Macedonia, but also on Bulgarian territory, unquote. Um, that following, of course, the, the Bulgarian foreign minister who last month handed over uh, 30 pages of remarks about history textbooks and school books in Macedonian schools and said that there are, quote, serious problems with those textbooks and school books, according to the, Mas the, according to the Bulgarian, quote unquote, historians. Uh, so again, you know, this is this is a result of the the so-called good neighborly um, uh, treaty with Bulgaria and the Prespa Agreement, is that both Greece and Bulgaria are going to demand that Macedonia change everything about it, its name, its language, its history, its culture, its heritage, everything. And Zayev either is too foolish to see that, or he doesn't care. Either way, it, it is it is a travesty. Yeah, he's uh, playing now. He he's now in a fight with both defense ministers from Greece and Bulgaria, and he, he has apologized to the. And they both they both come from smaller, more nationalist parties. Uh, and yep. uh, but it's interesting. Zayev actually under huge pressure from Nimitz and elsewhere, he kind of apologized to Kamenos, but this was apparently through a letter sent exclusively to Greek media, so that we here in Macedonia do not realize he apologized for his statement that there is a Macedonian minority in Greece. But then he wouldn't apologize to the Bulgarian defense minister, to Karakachanov. Uh, in fact, he actually banged on the table. He said, I'm Macedonian. My children are, will be Macedonian. We all speak Macedonian. But, you know, these statements can be seen by both sides as, uh, you know, he's saying one thing in Macedonian, another thing in Bulgarian, a third right. thing in Greek. And uh, both these <laughs> parties, actually, they face uh, challenges from uh, uh, other parties in uh, in uh, their respective countries they respective can both countries, yeah. they can both collapse their governments and you know in Bulgaria they face a strong challenge from the socialist president of the country Ruman Radev who is uh, you know uh, bringing uh, the socialists back in, on the political scene after long domination by Borisov in Greece obviously mm -hmm. they have elections coming up and uh, they c both these parties cannot afford to be seen as weak on the uh, on this whole thing I mean it's Possible even that, uh, I don't know, uh, Greeks ac accept the, our NATO accession, while Bulgarians don't, <laughs> you know, right. even though they ratified yeah. our treaty with, uh, uh, which we signed a year ago. But that's even, for even more reason for them to uh, refuse this, because uh, by then we would have established track record of implementation or non-implementation. So they could say, well, listen, you're obviously failing to accept that this 13th century historic monk was... Bulgarian or to change to amend your books to say that well Bulgarians were never part of the I don't know the 
World War Two, you know, the Axis, right. etc. You know, it's it, it, it this is right. as we predicted. You know, as we said, we said this for years. This is going to be a can of worms. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, actually, an interesting. Uh, I saw somebody on Twitter this morning mention that both both agreements with Bulgaria and Greece, all of the obligations are on Macedonia. None of the obligations are on Greece and Bulgaria. And since both of those countries, Greece and Bulgaria, are quote in the clubs. NATO and the EU, uh, and which has been the, the statement that has been put out for two decades mm-hmm. by NATO and EU officials that they're in the club, you're not in the club, therefore you must uh, abase yourself mm-hmm. and do whatever needs to be done to uh, to meet their demands. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's for Macedonians. Well, Macedonians already decided they don't want to do that. Yeah, of course. I mean, we we voted, but as you said, they're electing this, they're pushing this this thing through with Balkan tactics. And one of these Balkan tactics was made obvious today when uh, one of the eight Vimera members of parliament who voted in favor to open the process, they're now ex-Vimera members, uh, Krsto Mukovsky, he, he's among those charged, ridiculously charged with terrorism over the April 2017 uh, parliament fight. And he actually, his company, he's got a construction company and... Um, uh, he, he actually just today it was published. He received uh, six hundred and eighty thousand euros in a government contract from the Zaev government to uh, begin working on uh, publicly owned uh, properties across the country. So on one hand, mm. he faces arrest if he doesn't vote for the uh, for the Zaev Cyprus deal, uh, mm. and you know he's obviously you know pressured to vote for this uh, to avoid ten years in prison. But to sweeten right. the deal, apparently, he's being offered hundreds of thousands of euros in contracts for his company. And these are the, this is the way we're pushing this deal through. And just imagine if we join the EU tomorrow with this level of EU accepted and even promoted uh, corruption and uh, crime at the top government levels. You, know, you can just imagine what we will be doing tomorrow when we have some access to more EU funds. It's going to be... Glorious is going to be <laughs> un- un- unimaginable levels of corruption. Right. Yeah. Well, and and we've been we've been talking about that for years. We know that there's there are huge amounts of corruption within the European Commission. I think when was it? Ten years ago that the entire Commission had to resign. Yep. Over over corruption, and so you know, look, that's part of human nature. That's that's going to continue. And the more the more members that you have in the club, quote unquote, the more that uh, that that you're going to see that happening. Um, Okay, well, uh, let's just take a short break so I can uh, do a refill, and we'll be right back. What are you drinking, by the way? Now, why don't we why don't we kind of switch gears here uh, a little bit to um, uh, the amnesty issue? So we know that the uh, the renegade aid or whatever we want to call them are are currently quote unquote negotiating some sort of an amnesty. You're following that, I think, a little more closely. Um, what can you what can you bring us up to date on that? Well, there. I mean, uh, there is uh, until yesterday we had the hunger strike in the main prison here because obviously mm-hmm. the amnesty is going to apply to members of parliament who are needed to vote for the Prespa Treaty. It's very possible that not even everybody who was involved in the incident in the parliament is going to be covered, just those who actually have the vote in parliament. And uh, hundreds of uh, common prisoners, you know, just uh, uh, in the Idrisova prison in Skopje, where 
uh, doing a hunger strike for two days because they also want to be part of this amnesty, even though there was already an amnesty, a broad amnesty for uh, regular prisoners recently. But yeah, right. now we have political prisoners and, you know, I mean, this is obviously, these are all obviously openly political, uh, manufactured uh, criminal Absolutely. charges against Mukovsky and the rest. I don't excuse what they're doing in response to vote to change the name of the country in order to uh, escape prison. I can understand some of them. You know, one of them, as we said many times, uh, Vladanka Vyurovich, her, her son faces prison. And, you know, if you have a situation of a mother being forced to, you know, if she votes, holds on to her principles and votes against the deal, her son goes to prison for three and a half years. And right. this is the level well, of... Yeah, no, with, with the exception of those who actually committed violence on that day in question, um, nobody should have ever been charged. It's a political witch hunt. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and, you know, and as we talked about, I think, in the last episode or the episode before, you talk about amnesty. So Ali Ahmeti, who's, who's, uh, is propping up the Zayev government through his party, Dewey, which is the former National Liberation Army, mm-hmm. uh, these, are, these are people that – Ali Ahmeti, you know, was in command and control – and, and had people, innocent people, killed and tortured and sexually abused. And he's sitting there scot-free. Uh, him and all of his people got amnesty or the cases were never prosecuted because the, because the government of Macedonia and, and the, uh, the Hague court kept tossing him back and forth. And these people walk free on the streets and yet they're guilty of murder. So, Yeah. The political witch hunt continues. Uh, we'll see what happens with the so-called amnesty, um, which I think let's let's talk about President Ivanov because I know he's under attack now, and obviously Zoranzayev and his government see President Ivanov, who refused to sign the language law. We know he's he's not going to sign anything if the Prespo agreement goes through. He's not going to agree to those changes. And so Zayev is is looking at him. We know we got presidential elections in Macedonia coming up. What in May? May yeah. is the, the latest by which they can hold them. Yeah, that should be about it. Yeah, and and obviously, and we've seen uh, Ali Ahmeti out there talking about how he wants to have a quote unquote consensus candidate with Sidisam, uh, and so that's the next thing that these these um, well <laughs> these criminals are looking at is what they can do to damage Ivanov because they know that President Ivanov is is one of the last lines of defense against changing Macedonia's name and identity, language, heritage, culture, history, etc. What's going on with uh, President Ivanov these days? Yes, Ivanov is the last uh, important, significant political figure we have in this country who is uh, elected on the opposition ticket, on the Vimeron, the conservative ticket, uh, <laughs> and, you know, actually elected. Everything else has been uh, managed, democracies and everything since 2015 has been... Uh, completely managed with outside interference. Um, he has faced an unprecedented level of attack recently um, because, yeah, obviously the time is, the timelines are short. Uh, Greece and Bulgaria are uh, obviously anxious over the whole deal they've been uh, sold. And uh, if uh, Zayev and his international minders want everything to go quickly and smoothly, even if should be signing everything... Uh, as it's passed in the parliament, and it's very pretty certain that he, he won't do this. So he's now facing allegations that uh, members of his team were also involved in uh, the incident in the parliament, which is now this catch-all crime, which you can actually pinpoint at anybody. 
uh, some of the people who are charged of uh, actually invo being involved in uh, violence, actually beating uh, SDSM right. uh, members of parliament, uh, they are now pointing fingers and the court is obviously taking their statements as uh, given, as uh, uh, you know, truthful without any verification. And they're obviously, obviously doing this to avoid uh, prison sentences. They're being told by the prosecutors that, uh, you know, this entire court case is being manufactured just to pressure initially the members of parliament to vote in favor and now even enough to sign this as it comes. And now most laughably, right. there is a proposal to amend uh, the law on the creation of the special prosecutor, this completely partisan uh, institution which has filed dozens of charges exclusively <coughs> against Wilmer Dippermann officials. And right. under the new text, they would get like this open ended mandate to prosecute everybody, anybody in the country, including the president. But again, right. for this to be effective, the president should sign it. <laughs> and <laughs> basically, even if he's going to be asked soon to sign a law to create, to give authority to this prosecutorial team to investigate him and charge him. Right. Again, yeah. good luck well, with that. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And, and I, I've come to the conclusion, Svetin, from looking at you know, the whole issue of special prosecutors, whether they're in Macedonia or the United States or anywhere else, especially as we see the uh, issues unfold here with uh, with uh, Robert Mueller mm. um, and the so-called Russia investigation. The special prosecutors are, are, you know, they should be, you should be very careful about appointing a special prosecutor. In, in general, I don't, I wouldn't agree with the idea of a special prosecutor, and especially in Macedonia's case, which, as you mentioned, is so partisan, politically one-sided. You mentioned that uh, the special prosecutor there is exclusively investigating Vumro, although for the years, many years, many, most of the years that Vumro was in power, Dewey was a coalition partner with him, mm -hmm. and yet you hear nothing about that. I know that, that Buyar uh, Osmani is under investigation, but they'll never do anything to him because mm -hmm. he's, quote, an important part of the of Zayev's team right now. So. Uh, it's it's one-sided. It's a witch hunt. It's partisan. It's wrong. Uh, the special prosecutor in Macedonia needs to be shut down. Yeah, this End is story. this is what this political uh, uh, grouping has now. They're 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 no longer winning elections. They're unable to win elections in the U.S., <laughs> in Britain, in across Europe, or in Macedonia. So they now resort to these type of tactics: uh, entangle, ensnare uh, the actual elected. Uh, and you know, even if it was elected by a huge mandate uh, macedonians and albanians alike uh, but you know they're now go going to just ensnare ensnare you in these uh, manufactured court cases until you give up you just say well you know i can't can't handle this uh, and um, this is how they imagine uh, democracy is going to be in the future this uh, i don't know even what to call them i don't think uh, the elite well, covers it uh, enough well actually you know we, we talk about warfare Mm -hmm. uh, this is a form of what we call lawfare in, yeah. in, in English. I don't know if that would translate. If it doesn't translate, maybe you can create a word in Macedonian, not warfare, but lawfare, in which you are using the courts, special prosecutors, uh, you know, teams and teams, reams of lawyers, binders full of lawyers yeah. uh, to, um, to, you know, to go after your political enemies. And that's exactly what's happening. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, they can import new voters, as we see in the West, or they can... Yeah. Uh, you know, intimidate the existing voters uh, uh, to toe the line. And this is not democracy. Yeah. This is this is going no. to end badly. I mean, this is going to be... Disaster. Oh, yeah, for everybody. Absolutely. Everybody. Nobody, no, everybody will suffer from this. So yeah. now, Svetin, I know you're, you're following the Judicial Watch report came out a week or two ago. Uh, you're following it a little more closely than I am. 
uh, just to set the stage for our listeners, Judicial Watch is a, uh, a uh, nonprofit, nonpartisan um, organization based in Washington, D.C. that uh, looks at, you know, it, 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 it calls elected officials to account. And it's about accountability and transparency. And they have been looking at what's going on in Macedonia now for a couple of years. And the report just came out. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, this is uh, coming back to an old story. I mean, this podcast, uh, the title of this podcast uh, comes from an inside joke when uh, Hillary Clinton blamed, blamed Macedonians of interfering in uh, the U.S. electoral process, in U.S. American democracy. Before they blamed Russians, they blamed Macedonians. She said, I'm blaming these Macedonian content farmers uh, who duped innocent, you know, uh, gullible Americans to vote for Donald Trump. But uh, it's not exactly a laughing matter because this happened uh, in 2016, late 2016. This was two years in a very real and a very active campaign to interfere in Macedonian political affairs, in Macedonian democracy, on the part of the United States and other Western countries. And, you know, I don't like saying this. I, I always resented people who talk like this, who see imperialists meddling across the world. But it actually happened. I mean... Uh, yeah. We literally had the diplomats appointed in Macedonia spend tens of millions of dollars to set up uh, uh, teams like the special prosecutor to set up new media outlets copied from the United States. So we got like a Macedonian version of Saturday Night Live, God help us, and stuff like that. <laughs> and, and this was done with the only goal to bring down the conservative government and then enforce right. a name change so we could nominally join NATO, whatever joining NATO means now after you have destroyed the country's political system and uh, democracy and uh, economic system as is happening increasingly. So Judicial Watch sat down, they uh, went through the numbers, they examined uh, what exactly the US government is spending in Macedonia through USAID and the State Department. And the numbers are significant, tens of millions of dollars through these two institutions for dozens of- US taxpayer money. Absolutely. given to uh, dozens of NGO groups uh, operating under the umbrella of the Soros Foundation in Macedonia, the Open Society uh, Institute in Skopje. And, uh, you know, uh, just like following up on the people who took this money, uh, in nine out of ten cases they were active in protests against the Vemera government. In zero out of ten cases they would protest against the SDSM. They would never do this. you know, they were all active on social media, promoting all the latest talking points. They were uh, against Vemera. They would all be visiting uh, TV programs to promote these topics on, uh, uh, you know, pro-SDSM, pro-left uh, TV stations who, who, gave, who received lavish sums of money. And the report names two diplomats serving in Macedonia. One is, uh, of course, the U.S. ambassador, Jess Bailey, who was... Uh, the driving force behind all this, but it also names a very important institution in Macedonia, the OSCE, which oversees our elections and our preparations for elections, more importantly. And uh, the deputy ambassador in this institution, Jeff Goldstein, he's also named, he's also an American diplomat uh, with long experience in the State Department. I actually met him in Washington, and he apparently left his job in the Soros organization, you know, the Open Society Institute in Washington, to come be the second in command in this polluted, rinky-dink, horrible, small city in the Balkans. And uh, this is clearly 
you know, this was clearly uh, arranged. And uh, it's, it's it's incestuous. That's the right word. Absolutely. It's incest. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you know, then then the OSC would hire. Uh, uh, like-minded people from groups from across Europe to serve as advisors in Macedonia and media right. reform. And they were all, you know, just Google a little bit around them and you'll immediately get hits on, uh, you know, open society this, open society that, cent uh, Central European University, you know, the Budapest University. So, yeah, this is a right. very uh, tightly knit group and Judicial Watch has the the numbers, has the uh names uh, has everything on this the only problem is you know uh, uh, that we are two years in the trump administration if right. you can call it that and we're rec we're receiving the uh state department uh, official appointed nominated by trump uh and they're still going on in the same direction which is just going to lose any uh any remaining hope of uh you know uh, respect among uh the majority of Macedonians for for this uh, for the, what we call in the international community is just you know people are just going to throw right. up their hands. They're going to say, "Well, the, this is all rigged. Uh, the game is rigged. We're not even playing anymore." This right. really opens our country for foreign involvement, interference. And you know, <coughs> imagine we join NATO tomorrow, and yet you know, solid two thirds of ethnic Macedonians and well over half of you know the total population see Russia as friendlier than the United States. Well, you know, that, that's going to be on them. Right. Well, I remember clearly when, when Montenegro joined NATO, only 36% of the public actually wanted to join NATO. And if you go, and maybe we, maybe we can find it and link to it, I don't know, um, the number of the percentage of populations of NATO countries that actually support mm -hmm. that country, whichever country being in NATO, is not overwhelmingly high. And, and that's a fault, frankly, of, of NATO and the institute, the governments, and the institutions that that have not been um, um, careful, have not been good about educating their public about what NATO means. It also, and it's also on the fact that NATO has gone out of area, uh, mm -hmm. which uh, you know it's no longer a defensive organization. It has been an offensive organization. But to your point about the interference that is going on in Macedonia and these countries by by quote unquote Western institutions that are associated with NATO, then you know it's guilt by association, um, and so you're absolutely right. This this is and this is damaging to the public's uh, perception of NATO, of the West, of democracy in general, of the institutions that support uh, you know the, the the Western civilization. All of this uh, is is being is in danger and and. Uh, the public opinion about these things is is ebbing quite a bit. Yeah, the case of Montenegro is great for us, actually, because uh, uh, when they were joining, one of the conditions to join was that they proved that they have sufficient levels of support among the population. They did not hold huh. a referendum because it would have failed, obviously. But we right. did hold a referendum, and we now have the act accurate number of support under these conditions, right. under the condition to change your name. It's 36%, right. barely, right. with all the fraud. And, you know, yeah. now everybody, nobody's mentioning, you know, I can find Stoltenberg statements telling Montenegro they need to show sufficient support, presumably over 45, 50 percent. And now he's quiet about this condition. And then recently, yeah. the previous uh, European Union ambassador to Macedonia, Ivorov, this hapless uh, right. Estonian guy, I think, was he Estonian or Finnish? No, he, no, he's Estonian. Careful now. Oh, my, I like my Estonians. Yeah. So, but it's, 
not he doesn't reflect the Estonian people. He reflects his globalist, imperialist, authoritarian attitude. Yeah, he speaks for nobody but for Mo- Mogherini. Now, now he's the ambassador. <laughs> he's the ambassador in Montenegro, and they arrested oh, an opposition uh, member of parliament from Montenegro, and he's out there waving red cards, saying, "No, this has to stop. You cannot arrest this guy without first, you know, going through a process to revoke his immunity." While in Macedonia. Uh, dozens of members, you know, uh, at least 15 members of parliament are facing uh, arrests, have been arrested without their parliamentary immunity being revoked. Gruevski obviously received political asylum. So, you know, there are, this is orders of magnitude worse than Montenegro. But, you know, the ambassador here does nothing. And we are both yeah. candidate countries to join the European Union. Yeah. And, you know, bloody hell. <laughs> yeah, bloody hell indeed. That's all I can say. Um. Well, look, we're, we, we could talk about this all day long. I know we're running a little bit long here. Um, why don't we end uh, this with our farmer's picks? My farmer's pick for this week is uh, from our mutual friend, Sven, uh, Chris Deliso. Chris Deliso is an American. He has lived in Macedonia since the year 2000. Uh, he is a writer. Uh, he has written several books. He used to be a Lonely Planet author. Uh, is written for a number of newspapers, magazines. His latest book is called The Macedonia Deception, and it is a work of fiction, uh, but it is based on what on, on history, on what has happened in Macedonia in the past, going all the way back to 1903, and currently what's going on now. And I, you know, Svetlana, I don't typically read fiction. I, I like history, geography, biography, current events, things like that, but. I'm, I'm and I'm only six chapters into it, but I was laughing out loud last night as I was reading it because I could recognize some of the fictional characters that Chris has created in it, and, and I know exactly who they are in real life right now. Um, so he's. And I just want to quickly read the um, the Amazon uh, description and, and let's link to the Amazon um, uh, page so that. Uh, listeners can buy it if they want. So the, the Amazon description says it's called the Macedonia Macedonia Deception from Crystaliso. Moves and countermoves, dark to light. Are you ready to see a show? Deep in the Balkans, a CIA MI6 regime change plot blows up when Macedonian patriots restore a century-old secret revolutionary organization. However, theirs is hardly the only secret society with interests in Macedonia's future. After stopping terrorists and a migrant invasion, military veteran Alexander Karastafanov grows disillusioned with Western allies when Western allies force install a quisling communist regime. But aided by a Jewish World War II survivor and an IRA fugitive with a personal vendetta, Alexander and fellow patriots launch a covert campaign to destroy foreign intelligence networks and topple the communist regime. Using everything from social media satire and psychological warfare to sabotage and assassinations, their enigmatic organization, known by its acronym, BOOM, quickly acquires cult status. Yet as Macedonia steadily dissolves into anarchy, Alexander is shocked to discover that the endless foreign obsession with his country is stranger and darker than mere geopolitics. <laughs> it, 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 it is good. And, 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 and Chris has, you know, I've got three of his books right here. Um, migration, terrorism, and the future of a divided Europe, mm-hmm. uh, the coming Balkan Caliphate, yep. the threat of radical Islam to Europe and the West, and 
uh, a, a real gem called Hidden Macedonia, the Mystic Lakes of Ohrid and Prespa. So he, he's an excellent writer, uh, fun, good friend. So I just want, that's my farmer's pick is The Macedonia Deception by Chris Deliso. Yeah, Svetin, what, what, what is your farmer's pick? Yeah, poor, yeah? poor Chris had to move from writing about uh, tourism in Ohrid and Prespa to the Ohrid and Prespa treaties. <laughs> Uh, well, yes, and, and as he mentioned to me, I don't know, some some months ago, it's it's unfortunate that the treaties have to be named after some beautiful lakes in Macedonia. Yeah, we're only left with uh, Lake Doiran now. To dis- <laughs> to dis- I don't want to see the Doiran treaty. Yeah, it's going to be something. <laughs> well, I, I, uh, I wanted to go with, uh, the, there, there is this article in the Financial Times, uh, and, uh, oh God, it's, uh, you know, it was promoted by the U.S. Embassy here about how, how they're helping the country through Habitat for Humanity. And this is this organization which helps build homes across the world for poor, you know, this, yeah, yeah I mean, it's, yeah. It's, it's good. But the problem here is the angle they're approaching this is that obviously Macedonia is uh, cold during the winter time and it's expensive to heat the homes. So they came here to weatherize homes, I guess slap some, you know, uh, weather insolent or something on the outside walls, etc. And they have these grateful people in the in the report saying, "Well, thank you so much for doing this, that, and helping uh, not be not freeze over winter." But actually, you know, the the actual reason why we cannot afford to heat our homes uh, cleanly, uh, environmentally, safely, and uh, uh, cheaply, you know, uh, over uh, winter, because I think we're the only country in Europe which does not use natural gas to heat. Uh, you know, it's large cities or, you know, a, a significant number of its houses. And we, we can't do this because uh, the supply of uh, natural gas we receive from Bulgaria, it's obviously uh, Russian, as, uh, right. you know, the bulk of all other gas tr- in Eastern Europe and Europe in general. Uh, but it's also expensive because we get very little of it. There is no uh, uh, bulk supply. And we signed on to this... Uh, Russian promoted South Stream pipeline, which was at some levels, at some points even supposed to cross through Macedonia, which would have meant significantly lower prices for heating over winter. But this is now anathema to the US and the EU. And uh, I mean, there is a lot of uh, speculation that this uh, assault on the Vimera government was because they were not fast enough to renounce this uh, gas pipeline project. And there is no alternative. There is no U.S. Uh, or you know Western-approved alternative like an LNG plant somewhere on uh, the Greek right. coast or the Croatian coast. None of this works. So we're basically you know forced to freeze over winter. And all our neighbors, even you know poor countries right. like Bulgaria, like Serbia, like equally poor, they have much much greater uh, you know uh, use of natural gas in uh, in the heating of individual homes of buildings. And yeah, so, so basically this is our situation here. We are, be, we are told that, look, we're going to slap some installation foam on, on several, you know, uh, small uh, wooden huts here across the, the country. And we're we are helping, like, you know, that Simpsons character said, I'm helping. <laughs> and while instead the one big solution, which is staring all of us in the face, we cannot do it because the great powers are playing their chessboard games uh, over us. And, you know, the, the, the one power which has assumed responsibility for this part of the world, the U.S., it's not, it cannot be bothered to come up with an alternative. It tells us, no, you can't do this. You can't use their gas, but they're not providing us with their alternative. And it's, yeah, it's horrible. It's uh, extremely depressing to see this type of uh, article being promoted. I mean, it's, it's very ugly. 
Well, yeah, and it's 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 a part of the spin machine that the U.S. Embassy uh, engages in. Well, that's unfortunate. Uh, Svetin, we've covered a lot of ground um, because there's always going to be plenty. Uh, what is it? The, the Balkans produce more history than they consume, uh, and and so we're just gonna we're gonna you know do this again next week. I think um, we're we're, gonna, we're changing the time. The, the day, actually, that we put this out, we're going to put it out on Thursday if we can get it up and running. Again, um, we're still working on some issues of, uh, you know, a, a podcast feed as well as a website. Uh, so we appreciate listeners bearing with us as we do that. Um, any other housekeeping issues before we go? Oh, God, I, I'm almost embarrassed to, to actually mention this. Do, uh, again, with the air pollution, uh, there was this, uh, this, uh, this uh, mayor in Kavadarci, a local businessman, he was elected through the Vimero, and then he switched. He's now most accurately described as member of the Bailey Party in the country. So, you know, he wants to... <laughs> the Bailey Party. Oh, God, it's embarrassing, really. So he oh, now dear. wants to show that he's like this great, like this uh, innovative, uh, smart guy, and he's trying to uh, counter all this, uh, because everybody is now annoyed over the huge levels of air pollution. So he said, listen, I'm giving you a tractor from my own company, he owns a so- soda bottling company, and uh, I'm going to drive it through the city, and it's going to create artificial rain. And everybody's like, "Ooh, artificial rain! That's amazing!" And it's going to just soak up all the pollution, and the pollution is going to fall down to the ground, and you'll be breathing clean mountain air in no time. And so he does this, uh, and 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 you know, really in reality, immediately th- there is like a station measuring air pollution. Uh, and uh, overnight, it shows that really pollution levels dropped. But oh. but then an environmentalist group from the from Kavadarci uh, posts a picture the next day, a YouTube uh, no, a video actually the next day, showing that the tractor did like four or five rounds around the uh, station, which is measuring the pollution, and they were spraying the the station with water, like deliberately to to clean up the air around it. So. If you cannot clean up the entire city, and obviously you cannot just spray water like an idiot uh, uh, through city streets, hoping that it's going to bring down all the filth in the air. But if you just focus, they focused two machines on, uh, you know, two spraying machines on the uh, air measure, you know, air quality measuring station, and yes, it they managed to clean that particular two by two part of the city up. And there, wow. uh, he's actually, you know, the, this group is saying just, uh, do you think we're idiots? Uh, is this what you're going to do? Like, it's, it's unbelievable. It's, it's horrible, really. So what you're saying is it's a travesty of a mockery of a sham of a mockery of a travesty of two mockeries. On all accounts, yes. Well, you've been listening to the Macedonian Content Farmers podcast. Sveten, it has been great chatting with you about all things Macedonia. I look forward to doing it again soon. Absolutely. And now, excuse me, I get to attend to my rips. <laughs> you do that, buddy. Thanks. It's a travesty of a mockery of a sham of a mockery of a travesty of two mockeries of a sham.